0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Everyone, and Welcome to the 484th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. If you get your daily reading from me and other writers over at onceametro.com and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Come on in. The chat room is open. You can talk amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. So, something weird happened um, somewhere on the internet. Something weird um, just came out of nowhere that I truly wasn't expecting. I truly was not expecting it. I didn't think uh, you would have to talk about it, but. Um, it's, it, it's really, really interesting to see what has happened uh, when you have people who are running an organization, um, running a wonderful thing, called, of course, it's the Supporter Shield um, organization. And they are the ones that have to make a decision about something so interesting and something so amazing that uh, sometimes it's kind of speechless in my book. Now, I understand it's meant for to be in favor of the supporters. And who am I to argue about the supporters you know, having a voice and having a say about how the Shield should be done and and, and should be, um, you know, given out to uh, on a normal situation. But I think we can all agree that MLS is not a normal league. with all of these different rules and financial uh, gives and takes when it comes to... Staying within the parameters of the uh, single entity structure, which, look, I think you know as well as I do, I would like for that single entity structure um, to be reduced, lessened, maybe completely gone. But are we at a point yet to say it's going to be gone by the next year or two? Honestly, I don't think so. I think at the moment it's still going to be a part of our lives and part of this league. I understand fiscal responsibility, and I understand that we cannot overspend uh, on certain players to come in, even though we have a designated player, of the, uh, positions available for most teams. And most of them are not really uh, trying to either fill those in the proper way or just not doing it at all. So that's the big question mark, of course. We all know what uh, LA Galaxy are doing, what Los Angeles Football Club is doing. Um, look, FC Dallas has done it the right way with bringing homegrown players, even though it would be nice for them to bring up a uh, you know a very talented footballer, whether it be from South America or Europe. Um, we have seen what uh, the New York Red Bulls and New York City FC are doing, they're using, well, mostly the Red Bulls are using their academy platform to build up and bring in talented players who are either ready or not yet ready uh, for prime time. But still, though, they're getting their opportunities. And we'll talk more about that particular person a little bit later on in the show. Um, But when you have a situation that we are in, in this pandemic, and once again, I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope everyone is using masks. Everyone will remain strong and vigilant. As I've said many, many times, this is not a new normal. This is just a hindrance until a vaccine or a cure can be found. And hopefully it will be found before the end of this year. So let's see what happens. And let's leave our medical professions and the pharmaceutical experts to develop these vaccines So that we can be finally rid of this pandemic once and for all. Um, The Supporter Shield, now uh, with this committee involved, um, and they made a decision head and shoulders above the rest of the. They. Are still considered uh, supporter shield leaders, but the group decided not to award the Supporters' shield to Toronto City due to a fact of unbalanced schedule. No fans in the seats uh, at you know most stadiums. Some stadiums are allowing fans into the stadiums at certain capacity, like Kansas City, like Orlando, like Dallas. Uh, not sure about anywhere else yet um and while is understandable for you know deciding to not award a uh a, you know the supporter shield title within itself you know i I'm not going to be cruel here, I'm not going to let someone have it, but personally. If anyone feels that Toronto should not get the Supporters' Shield, even though they'll be automatically Supporters' Shield champions, and they will not hold the actual trophy physically um, in their eyes, that is a problem. Because while this is a strange year, and yes, this is a very, very interesting decision made by that group. The truth is is that I think it's wrong to not award hardware if you are champions of the regular season, and that allows you to enter the next edition of the CONCACAF Champions League. That is, uh, I think, short-sightedness. I believe it is wrong, and I think the Supporters' Shield group should reconsider. And I understand, as I've read the tweets um, from the gentleman that calls himself Metro Capo, and uh, let me just say that, look, I do understand he has made a hard decision. But once again, I I think that it's a wrong decision to make, especially in these times. I think we can all agree that if Don Garber and the league did not find a way to continue the season in some form or fashion, then the Supporters' Shield should not go to anybody. That is the truth. This is where the Supporters' Shield is bigger than it normally is. And to be honest, it should be given to Toronto FC as they are the leaders of the complete table to take home the supporter Shield. They should be able to do so. They have to. Now, grant, gratefully, gratefully, uh, an update that has been given on Twitter, and let me just get to the update real quick as it was forwarded to me. Uh, apparently, um, Supporters' Shield Foundation board would like to provide an update. We are currently holding meetings with supporters groups, with supporter groups, uh, representatives about the original decision in light of new information and feedback we have received. A public update will be forthcoming. Um, so maybe there is a change of heart. Now, see, here's the thing that people have to understand. I think the supporters group, the Supporters Shield uh, Foundation also has to understand as we bring in new clubs into MLS the unbalanced schedule will always be out there. The unbalanced schedule has always been there, no matter how many clubs are entering the league. I mean, we were supposed to have um, Charlotte enter with Austin for next year. Charlotte has decided to uh, hold back and move on to another day, or another year to, to come into the league so at, in 2021, we will have, you know, unbalanced teams anyway. I think currently we have unbalanced teams because Nashville has already been pushed into uh, the Eastern Conference now. And they will be a part of those. They're, they've been a part of those standings now. So while I will admit short-sightedness on the Support Shield Foundation, and let me just say, you know, look, they they, they thought about it. I don't think it was a knee-jerk reaction here. I think they truly thought about it. I really think they did, because, you know, this is a serious situation, folks. This is a very serious situation when it comes to the supporter shield, and of course, handing out silverware. You know, it's going to be basically moved down from the top of the ste- of the supporter section, and then going all the way down to the bottom of the supporter section, and then you have to hand it off to, uh, uh, you know, to the players. And then they celebrated on the pitch. You know, and I, they did try to think about it, you know, in, in favor of, you know, there's going to be no supporters there. It's all because everyone's supporting at home, which, like I've said, I disagreed with it originally. I'm glad they're thinking about it. And all I can say is, is that, if cooler heads do prevail, if cooler heads do prevail, and we have people that are ready to go and say, you know what, let's change our minds. We're going to change our minds. We're going to say, you know what, let's just award the shield anyway, and we'll let them have it. And I think that's the fairest way to do it. Toronto FC, you know, Greg Vanny. Made an excellent point how the players are working their butts off, you know, heart, sweat, tears to at least finish the regular season on a positive. You know, we, they've led the regular season all the way up to this point. There's three to four matches remaining, depending on whose scheduling it is. We understand that there are some games that have been, you know, uh, removed or suspended, won't be made up due to the coronavirus. We all know what's going on with the Colorado Rapids, and that means points per game will be the first thing uh, that will represent a tiebreaker, or at least uh, for those believing that because Colorado has not uh, played some of these games, and of course some of their opponents have been affected by it as well, points per game will be considered uh, the first tiebreaker period uh, when it comes to the whole point situation. And while I don't like points per game, to be honest, I don't, Uh, I don't believe points per game should be considered a stat Uh, in this time, in this strange time that we have with coronavirus at this point in time. uh, Right now, I'm, I'm all for it because it's only the fair way to do so. If Colorado goes in or they go out, it's all on points per game. So they have nobody to blame but themselves. Obviously, I think it's also a fair way to say that maybe Colorado, just like what happened with Dallas and Nashville, that they were kicked out of the MLS's back tournament due to the fact that players uh, were infected by the coronavirus because they were not following the protocols, and I don't know what would happen in Colorado. I'm not going to assume I know what's going to happen in Colorado or what they did or where they went uh, in the Denver area, but let me just say this. If you were told not to do this and not to do that, to stay safe, and you broke those those protocols – well then, if you're not going to the playoffs, then you deserve to not go to the playoffs. And if the league will erase the Colorado Rapids if they are in a playoff position and kick them out because of the whole uh, pandemic that uh, you know several positive cases were given and shown, then all I can say is that in my book, the Colorado Rapids should be thrown out of the MLS Cup tournament, uh, playoff tournament, and that uh, whoever's in the Eastern Conference deserves to take over in that spot and just go and play in the West. So that is all I can say about that. That is all I can do and talk about that. And all I can say is is that um, it's a situation, once again, where there's a lot of craziness going on. We've got to remain strong and vigilant. We gotta go forward and we have to find a way to just stay the strong, Please record stay- your message. When you this whole situation is uh, gonna be done and dusted and taken care of. So all you can say is here we go. We're gonna have some fun and hopefully, you know, we'll have these playoffs ready to go. And uh, let's see what happens moving forward. Now tonight i uh, wait for him to... And, unfortunately, I got kicked off the of Skype, but I am back, and I am ready to go. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, tonight's show, uh, as we always do here on the Four Fire American Soccer Show, we talk about not only the players and the clubs, but the broadcasters and the media members that cover this league for the, of course... Celebrating 25 years of Major League Soccer, as I continue on to talk about those interesting people that have been a part of this game for a long, long time, I am very happy and I am very excited to have on tonight, and hopefully uh, I did not miss the original uh, ringer. Uh, He broadcasts uh, soccer and other sports on Fox Sports and Fox Sports 1, the one and only Rob Stone will be joining me tonight. Rob, are you there, sir? And I think we do not have him. Like I said, um, I got kicked off, so uh, we're going to try to call him back again. Once again, that's my fault. Should never have happened. And uh, we are going to uh, just give him a nudge just to let him know. And uh, I'm just gonna give him a nudge, and here we go. We're gonna try that again. Now, once again, that's not his fault. That's my fault because Skype kicked out on me. So hopefully, uh, we will have him ready to go. And uh, let's just wait and see for him to give us the phone to pick up the phone and uh, ready to go. Now, once again. Um, Rob Stone as you know has been broadcasting and covering Major League Soccer and soccer as a whole for many many years. Originally of course we remember him being a part of ESPN covering MLS and then of course once he uh, made the move to go to Fox Sports he's been continuing that for a bit of time. So At the let's see him, if please you record him on When now. you finished recording. No, we do not But we're still waiting for Rob Stone to uh, get ready to go and uh, ready to uh, call or ready to uh, get ready to uh, join us tonight. And uh, hopefully we will have him on and we're going to hope and maybe he'll be uh, currently, who knows, Maybe he's getting ready for uh, college football, or maybe he's getting ready to uh, be a part of a podcast with Alexi Lawless. Of course, him and Alexi Lawless were together at ESPN before they both made the move over to Fox Sports. So, you know, Rob Stone, uh, I remember watching him uh, doing a a soccer show, magazine show on ESPN, And uh, let's see if we can have him on now. Let's see what happens. please record your message. When you finish recording, you may hang up. No, nothing yet as of this point in time. Uh, So once again, uh, I remember Rob Stone uh, doing a soccer magazine show for ESPN that was sponsored by Nike. And then, of course, when MLS, starting on ESPN, uh, when they wanted to do an MLS magazine show on ESPN, Rob Stone was the host of it. And I remember Rob Stone doing a lot of fun things on that show. He also had Tommy Smith uh, with him at times. So um, it's going to be uh, interesting, of course, when you talk to him. And, of course, we're having problems right now with uh, the connection. So hold on one second. So we're going to have to improvise, as always. So hang on one second. As we uh, try and get Rob on here. And we're going to have to improvise uh, a little bit. And let's try it again. So we're going to try again, folks, to have Mr. Rob Stone with us on the show. We're having some signal issues uh, through the switchboard. And let's see if we can get him on the show here through uh, this form of phone communication. Let's see here.
0: I reach Rob, message okay. get back you
1: as I can. So, we're still having some phone issues. I don't know why. Okay. So, it looks like Rob wants to call in, so Let's see if we can, uh, hopefully he'll get on the show that way. So, yeah, you know, this is, this is what happens with live streaming sometimes. And let's see if he can, uh, get through. Hopefully he can get through. And, uh, if not, I'll try and give him another phone number. So, well, once again, technology, that's the fun thing here. The technology is, uh, really, really interesting and, uh, You know, hopefully we can get uh, other people on here, and if he can't get through, I'll give him another number. So we can – and uh, just let me give him another number. And it looks like we're having some issues here. And we're trying to fix these issues, of course. As we're trying to get him on, and hopefully uh, he can call in. And like I said, if he uh, cannot uh, get on the regular way, we're going to try uh, a different way. So let me see if I can get him to call, come on the show. Like I said, all the circuitry is just. Uh, going a little crazy so far. And if we can try and get him on. And believe me we're trying. He's trying, I'm trying, we're all trying. Let's see if we can get him on. And cuz I know he wants to be a part of this show. You know, I met Rob Stone in New York City uh at the Russian Tea Room for uh uh Fox Sports's uh, send-off party to the Russian World Cup for 2018. First time that Fox Sports was uh, trying to, of course, broadcast the FIFA World Cup. Let's see At here. At tone, please Maybe record your him. message. Nope, we don't have him there there. We're having issues now with our phones. I don't understand why. Sometimes these things happen. So just give me uh, some time here. So what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to probably cut myself off. So here's what I'm going to do. Let me do this. I'm going to call myself in on the regular home. No. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Let's see. Maybe we get him now. Are you there, Rob? are? Oh, there you go. Doing all right. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. I know the technology, it's a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I've heard that wrong, but I'm not playing it.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you very much for joining us tonight. And, uh, you know, 25 years of Major League Soccer, you've been a part of this league for a very, very long time. And, you know, you've seen it grow. Uh, from a lot of uh, bumps and bruises and potholes to where we are now. It's just amazing to see how much the league has grown since 1996. Uh-oh, we might have lost him again. We might have lost him. Yep, we just lost him, but that's okay. We're going to try and get him back on, Hopefully. Sometimes cell phones it's just a pain in the butt. So let's see if we can try and get him back on. We're trying our best to get him on. And At the let's tone, see please now. record nope. your message. Nope. When back to the voicemail. Let's see if we can get him on the regular phone. It is a whirlwind. Okay, he is trying to call. So it's been a bit difficult, obviously, with the um, with the way things are currently. So here's what I'm going to try and do. I'm going to get uh, myself on here with the regular phone. And uh, as we get ready to talk about some stuff, because let me see what's going to happen here. Shouldn't be having these issues. And here we go. Okay. Okay. All right, and there we go. So we just switched on to – I just switched on to a regular phone line. So let's see – what happens here as we uh, try to get him back on I know he's trying to get back on so we're going to try and see uh, if we can uh, get back on here and try to see if there'll be a situation available And he, st- he doesn't understand, and, and yep, here we go. Let's see if we can get him on. Tell him, please record your message. Nope, nothing there. And it's okay. You know, he's trying his best. That's all you can ask. When it comes to something like this, it's just uh, at times difficult. We're staying in touch through Twitter and that's always a good thing, so he's going to try to uh, give us a phone call here, so let me try and do this, I'm going to go back to my headset, I'm going to go back to my headset right now, and uh, we're going to try and wait to see for Mr. Uh, Rob Stone, so hold on one second, So we'll just wait and see that he'll call. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen here. Let's see here if we do-do-do-do and do-do-do-do. So... So I really want to get him on the phone, and I really want to talk to him about this because, you know, this man has done a lot for MLS uh, broadcasting-wise for both ESPN and uh, Fox Sports. So let me see if I can get him through maybe a cell phone. So just give me one moment as – let me go back in. And let's see if we can get back in here. Maybe we'll have to go through the cell phone. So let's see what happens as uh, we're going to switch again. Don't understand what's going on. And once again, all right, so there we go. There we go. And there we go. So just give me one moment, ladies and gentlemen, as I uh, go ahead and pull in the cell phone. And hopefully, maybe that will work. And maybe, just maybe, we can get that thing going as quickly as possible. So... We're gonna give it another shot here, so let me go ahead and do a phone call there. Uh huh. Uh 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 huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. See if I can get him on the cell phone. Hopefully, that'll work. We'll try. So, let's see what happens. Hopefully, we got a... No. So, let me... Try something... So one second. And let's see what happened. Okay. So unfortunately phone problems right now uh with Rob Stone currently, so um or he's just having phone issues, and we'll try and get him on next week. He's just not connecting, and we'll just try and get him on for next week. So, really a shame that we couldn't really have him on the show, but um, you know, <laughs> this is this is the life of uh, you know doing a show and um you know look th- these things happen unfortunately these things happen um it's out of your control there's nothing you can do about it um, this is what happens when you're doing a live streaming show uh the technology sometimes fails you Oop, let's see here hang on one second
0: what, Maybe what we have him it back on you?
1: are you there I don't know what rob
0: you're talking about daniel how how could it be failing us i'm driving around like a maniac for the last 15 minutes trying to find connectivity in some random town so I can talk to you. This is Bizarro. How are you? This is
1: doing well, Rob, doing well. Thank you very much for really uh, trying. I really do appreciate it. Uh, We'll just blame it on the weather. How's that?
0: Uh, It's a beautiful day out here in Southern California, (laughs) man. There's no weather out here. Maybe on your end. (laughs) It
1: probably is. I'm in the Northeast. You used to know about the weather around here. (laughs)
0: 100%. 100%, man.
1: man. So, you know, as I was trying to say before, um, you know, you've watched this league grow up from the start back in 1996. Um, You've seen the ups. You've seen the downs. And now the trend is really pushing up with so many clubs coming in wanting to be a part of MLS to keep growing and growing. What has amazed you uh, to see MLS so strong and nearly at 30 teams coming in the next two to three years? Yeah,
0: I think it's the the impressive part is if you've been there for so long, you know, just how dire the situation really was. And, And frankly, not that long ago, if you, you know, if if you want to talk about revisionist history, you know, I mean, there was a time where it was just a handful of owners, and there were votes about should we keep the league going or not. And to see where it is right now as an as an absolute growth industry in sports, not just in in our country, but I think internationally. You know, you see so many people wanting to get involved in American soccer, and, and frankly, that's not just on the MLS level; that's on the U.S. level as well, where there are underserved communities out there that, that want professional soccer. There are big pocket um, business people out there who are saying, I, I want to be invested in this. I think this is good from my bottom line. I think this is great for my community. Um, and, and you're seeing a more diversified major league soccer as well. Um, you just Every time you turn around, you're seeing more and more positives. But, look, this COVID is going to hit MLS hard. It it hit, it's going to hit everybody hard. That's, that's kind of an obvious, but major league soccer really uh, depends on those butts in the seats and the money that it brings in um, and, and everything that comes with it. So this is going to be a tough, tough year to fight through, but um, in the past, I don't think MLS would have survived here in 2020. I think we can take this punch uh, and I don't think it knocks us down. I, I think it may be, um, pushes this up against the ropes for a, a schmidge, and then we come right back out swinging.
1: What got you into this wonderful game? What made you say, I want to be a part of this game, I want to be either playing the game or talking about the game in some form of level, whether it be, you know, a local, international, or even nationally uh, to follow this sport?
0: Yeah, it, you know, Daniel, it was just injected into my DNA at an early age. Um, it was a sport that I gravitated to immediately when it was um, one of those sports that nobody really knew about in the South. I, I I started playing in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and literally it was my dad saying, hey, I heard about this new sport, and uh, it sounds really cool, and why don't we give it a try? And, you know, I don't know. I was in kindergarten, first grade, so I went out and did rainbow soccer, and since then, you know, I just I just loved playing the sport. I loved the motion. I loved the fact that it was nonstop. And as my life progressed, you know, the advice I got was, when you're out of school, you're going to be working for a living. You might as well do something that you love. And I said, well, I, I like sports. I like watching sports. I like playing sports. I like talking. Let's see if I can I can get those two going. And, look, I'll, I'll be honest. When, when I got my break, it, there was really just – a handful of, of humans in the United States that that had broadcasting background and also a passion for soccer. And I was one of one of just a, a few. And I've been fortunate enough to, you know, kind of somehow craft a living out of doing something that I, I really do love and enjoy. You know, I've got an M L S broadcast tomorrow night on F S one with Sue Holden and John Strong and Alexi Lawless and I've I had phone calls today with with Nashville and with FC Dallas and with my production crew and you know every once in a while I kind of hit that pause button like it's a pretty good monday rob pretty good monday you know get to talk soccer with some people that aren't accessible to everybody and i get to hang out with you know some national team veterans and and form these friendships with them and hear their stories and and be on this journey with them to make make american soccer you know better than it's better than it's ever been and i think we really are trending in the right direction, not just with what MLS is doing, but what the youth of America is doing and kind of the big stops that, that um, we've seen these, these players land recently, I, I think is just such an, a, a positive moment in American soccer that we're going through right now after the, the absolute darkness that we had to endure in 2017-2018. In
1: yeah, I know what you mean. That uh, that uh, loss in Trinidad and Tobago was definitely the biggest blow um that I've ever seen this sport take in this country. That was really hard to take. Um how did you land at ESPN and uh, what what uh what was it about them that they picked you and what was it that uh, uh they took I guess a bright-eyed b- uh, blonde-haired kid from uh right. from the south to come all the way up to Connecticut?
0: Well, I I did I, after I left North Carolina, I did move to Connecticut, and uh, my home was you know 25 minutes or so away from Bristol, Connecticut, and um, a, a chance meeting with a father of a former soccer teammate of mine asked me what I was doing, and he said I can get you an interview, and that's all I can do, and I got an interview, and I got a temporary job at ESPN, which turned into a full time job, and. Back then, you know, I was working on Sports Center and some other outside-the-lines projects where I was basically, it was just grad school for sports television. I was learning how to do things, but, but the bosses knew I also knew enough about soccer. So if a quote-unquote big soccer game showed up and nobody really knew how to define that back then in the, the early 90s, you know, I was kind of that guy that they could, they could lean on for some type of insight and knowledge. Um, I made contact there with the people who who did soccer and and who did other things at ESPN. And when I left to to get away from behind the camera and to go in front of the camera, um, I made a point to always keep in touch. And when I came back to visit my parents, I would show them a tape and um, we would talk soccer and we would talk the soccer broadcasting and what's going on in our country and national team games and you know coverage of of the Italy World Cup and you know things like that and. Uh, those connections just kind of paid off one day on a random phone call from a former, um, not a former, but, you know, an, an, ML, uh, an ESPN coordinating producer who said, you're hired, I just need a tape immediately to show somebody, but you're my guy, because frankly, and he didn't admit it, you know, there, there weren't many of us, and, and he knew I had a, a broadcast pedigree, and he knew I had a passion for soccer, and I got shoved in there on uh, Worldwide 2 doing a, a a weekly soccer show. So that that's what it was. It, it was timing and it was it was connections and and also being able to prove yourself before you got that call and when you got the call you were ready to excel and the timing was perfect for me because soccer was still just such a neophyte in in the United States and I was able to get on board uh, and not screw things up too much where I I could kind of ride ride this wave that keeps growing here in our country.
1: Just to ask you this, what was it like working with Tommy Smith? I mean, look, we all love Tommy. I love Tommy. I've seen him every now and then when I visit uh, uh, Subaru Park in Philadelphia. And I see Tommy whenever he's doing the local broadcasts against the Red Bulls. I always say hello to him. Of course, he's from the Bronx. I, there's no Bronx in Ireland, but I know that he lives there. <laughs> Uh, you know, not far from Philadelphia, but still though,
0: what was it about Tommy Smith that
1: he was such a fun guy to work with?
0: Yeah. And just such a kind, gentle human being too, uh, has a great passion for it, understands, uh, kind of the role he plays in, in broadcasting. And, you know, I, I think there's a part of me that always gravitates towards, uh, those in a, in an older generation. Um, I, I, I like grandfatherly, grandmotherly type figures. I like listening to them and and learning from them and and being around them and and kind of taking their knowledge and um, and living off the, the youth and the energy that they still possess. And Tommy had that. And Tommy and I were you know two totally different dudes. You know, a bald Irishman and, and a and a blonde American, uh, separated by decades and decades. But man, I, I cherished my time with him. Uh, I just loved being in his presence and. You know, he he's got a bit of showmanship to him that I never really had, and and through my times and dealings with him, you know, I, I picked up a few little pointers here and there of, hey, I need to I need to you know sell this a little bit more. I need to bring a little bit more energy. I need to have um, that exuberance that that Tommy has. You know, hey, maybe this isn't a great classic game to get fired up for, but guess what, Tommy is always fired up and he's always into it and and energetic. And look, that that's some of what we've had to do here in the American soccer broadcasting scene is, you know, we've had to be salespeople. We've had to sell games. We've had to sell leagues and players. And, you know, some days, you know, those Kansas City-Dallas burn games at the Cotton Bowl at noon on a Saturday in August are tough, man. They were tough back then. But, you know, we knew we had to put on that, that brave face and, and go into sales mode because that was what was good for the product. That was what was good for, for soccer at that time.
1: Moving forward, um, you were the first host for the first MLS magazine show on ESPN. I know Bob's brother, Jeff, is a newspaper guy. Now he's the uh, PR uh, guy for Toronto FC. What was it like for you to finally you stand on a stage, graphics behind you, showing highlights of, of past weekly matches, yeah. talking to Jeff about news and rumors and everything that goes on in MLS? What, to, what did that signal for you to finally do a magazine show on the league?
0: So, yeah, I mean that is something that MLS had been fighting for for a long time, and I think I was a natural fit to just kind of slide in there and do it because again, there weren't a whole lot of MLS broadcasters in the stable at that time, um, and and that was a real effort to get out and again be a essentially be a thirty minute you know to an hour commercial for another audience out there that maybe doesn't want to watch an MLS game so we said all right well let's let's choke the game down and and give you a 20 minute version let's give you all the highlights and let's sell you know let's let's be excited let's honor this league let's celebrate this league and that was a big step forward because you know if you weren't watching the just the the tiny amount of national broadcast games that were on you know the ESPN or ESPN2 at the time that was it man you you weren't able to have the MLS direct kick package or ESPN plus and have access to every single game out there. It was the one that was in front of your face unless you happen to live um, in that market. And you could watch, you know, the local Denver you know affiliate and their presentation of of the Rapids. So it, it was a great step forward to kind of, you know, stick your chest out and trumpet and and educate a bigger audience about what this league is. Uh, and, the, and the proper direction they're going in. So it was something I was really proud to be a part of. That's really where Alexi Lawless and I um, first started working together. He took that sabbatical from Kansas City, and that triggered, um, you know, frankly, a lifelong friendship between the two of us.
1: Of course, Phil Shane, Ty Keo, they started absolutely. the MLS Legend. broadcast. Allen. Yep, absolutely. I mean, why not talk about them and uh... – how this whole everything got started. Then Jack Adwa- Jack Edwards, who's now the Boston Bruins play by play guy for Nesson, was originally in Sports Center, and then he started calling MLS. Was part of the whole 2002 World Cup broadcast. Of course, we cannot forget uh, what he said at the end of the Portugal win in the first group stage match, and of course, <laughs> what Clint Mathis scored the goal and the yeah. victory over Mexico in the round of 16. Then you took over. Uh, after Jack Edwards uh, was done as play-by-play voice for MLS and the U.S. men's national team. How was that for you to go from a studio host to a
0: play-by-play guy? It it was a challenge. Um, It was one I was up for and and one I I really wanted to uh, attack. But back then, I'm not sure I had the proper proper presentation in my mindset on, on how I should do this. Um, I don't think I was maybe old enough or mature enough not to handle the situation, but, um, but to properly convey some of the things that were going on in this league, I was there for energy and, and upbeat and let's attack things and let's get creative. And again, we were very much in the, in the sales mode at that time, you know? So if it was Carlos Valderrama wig night, we were coming on with wig, you know, we don't really do that anymore. We were, we were in this kind of transition period where, you know, we were, we were trying to grow up and, and be a bigger kid. And um, I think they needed, they, they needed me, but I think they also needed somebody a little more in charge. Um, and uh, I, I wasn't that guy at that time, but it was a great learning experience, and it, and it educated me on how on to do that job, but I think it, it also put me in a better position to do the job that I do you know, right now going forward.
1: (laughs) Okay. I've got two words for you. And then I want you to just go ahead and take it. Cheating Bob.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I love Bob Bradley. I got so much respect for him. Um, and I, I don't think I hope I did. I never said those words, but I know those words were out there. And yeah, that that moment where Bob uh, worked around the rule system and making the goalkeeper change and bringing in Eddie Gavin for Tim Howard and then taking Eddie Gavin out onto the field. And, and you know, a lot of folks didn't like, but that was MLS back then, and You know, a lot of people said, think, listen. And that goalkeeper rule was one of them, and and after that moment, uh, it changed. Bob is not cheating Bob. Bob is hardworking Bob. Bob is intense Bob. Bob is is American soccer coaching legend Bob, but he ain't cheating Bob, I'll tell you that.
1: No, I know that. I I just want to throw that out there because, you see, New York Red Bull fans were MetroStars fans. That was like, you know, the whole thing with D.C. United, the big rivalry. You know that's the one thing we always talk about. You know that's the thing that you know DC fans like. This is cheating, Bob. Bob cheated. <laughs> you can't do that. And so we just take it as a great mantle on the on the DC Metro yeah, slash Red Bull uh, rivalries.
0: Yeah, it's I, I think it's it's a great thing. And number one, I, I want to warn you that I'm worried I might lose you again here in a second. But um, I, I love the fact because y- you need rivalries. You need passion. You need anger to grow and be excited about things. You need somebody to wear that, that black hat. You know, it's like wrestling. You know, Not every, everybody can be a baby face and everybody loves you. You need to have some heels out there. You need to have some people to cheer against. And I think that moment is something that needed. And, and it's part of that lineage, you know, part of that growth of that lesson. And all, these are those moments that we can reflect back on and, and educate the younger ones about it. Hey, Cheating Bob did this, you know, and Ben Olsen, yeah, he wasn't just a manager. He was a player, and, and all these other fantastic moments. Uh, we, we need those, and, and MLS still needs them, uh, but we're lucky that we had them back then.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, it was just great to see something like that. You need something like that to spark a rivalry or to continue one because, obviously, that was the original rivalry matchup back in '96. Metro Stars, D.C. United carries over. I mean, granted, D.C. is not what D.C. used to be, but you go to any fan of those two sides, it's still a rivalry no matter what. No matter how good or how bad any side is, it's still a rivalry, and it still counts. Um, The day you left ESPN, you went over to Fox Sports. What type of moment was that for you to make this move to go from the Northeast and fly all the way to California to be a part of Fox Sports and their uh, ability, of course, at the time they had the UEFA Champions League broadcast coverage, and then going into MLS,
0: it, it was pretty life changing. You know, I mean that's a that was a major move uh, and, and decision for my family and for everybody, um, and it, it was an opportunity that that Fox gave me to to grow up and and spread my wings and you know kind of move on from a feeling that I think had been. For me at, at ESPN um, and you know it was it, it was somebody stepping up and saying we have we have faith in you and we believe in you and and we need to be better, and we think you're that person who can help us be better and, and help other people be better uh, in their job as well so you know I am forever thankful uh, to them for, for reaching out to me to try and get me on board and and be a part of that team um, because without that, I, I, there's no chance I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. You know, I, I wouldn't be doing all my college football work and college basketball work in the capacity I'm right now. So uh, it was a scary move. I'm not going to lie, Daniel, but, but it's one that selfishly for me and my family absolutely paid off.
1: What's it like to be with Alexi Lawless going from ESPN to Fox Sports? And, I mean, I, I swear to God, both of you are joined at the hip. Anywhere you go, any broadcast you do, whether in-studio or on remote, you guys are right there next to each other. Your chemistry with Alexi has been spot on.
0: Uh, we're lucky, you know. I mean, I think that's what everybody everybody wants in this in this industry is to kind of have that, you know, the, the John Madden, Pat Summerall type um, collaborations. And you know, look, Alexi and I are, are around the same age. We've experienced a lot of the same things. We have uh, so many similarities and in our life and our personality, we, you know, we carpool together, you know, Daniel, we were in the car together today with our masks on driving to get tested before our MLS game tomorrow. So uh, we just spend, we've spent a lot of time together and we've witnessed and experienced so many things in American soccer that um, are even extra special because we've been able to do it together. And we're both kind of of the same mindset, Daniel, where we, we really do honestly want what is best for American soccer, and sometimes we have to critique it and, and be harsh, uh, but in the end, it, it all comes from a good place, and, and 100%, you know, he and I uh, are one of many, many people now that have joined forces, forces and, are, and are fighting for, for what we believe to be the best thing for America. You know, we want to see it succeed. We want to see it grow far beyond where it is right now, and, and to see where it is right now compared to when, you know, he and I jumped into the MLS fray. Uh, Daniel is, is stunning, but, you know, I can't speak for him, but I'd like to think that both he and I um, feel really fortunate that, that we kind of have each other in our in our lives um, on the camera and, and off the camera as well, because we do spend a lot of time off camera um, talking soccer and, and talking families and life in this industry and in this business.
1: When you and uh, Alexei were in Russia to do the World Cup from uh... – I forget where you were. I know you're in Moscow. I forget the, uh, that, that nice little castle with the funny tops
0: uh, in Red, Red Square. Square.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, you're in Red Square. Um, and you were you and Alexei, of course, Fox Sports filmed you, and they posted it on, on YouTube. You guys hoping and begging that the 2026 World Cup was going to come for the tri-bid with the U.S. mostly hosting along with Canada – and Mexico, and your facial expressions, your animations were absolutely great, just to see you guys so happy that the World Cup is finally coming back, not just into North America, but coming back to the United States, because the truth is we've done so much in this country to prop up the sport that we deserved a second World Cup tournament.
0: Well, 100% we deserved it, and frankly, we, you know, we should be hosting it uh, in 2022, if not sooner, right? So I, I think mm-hmm. any, anybody with fair judgment would know, look, the, North America should have hosted another World Cup by now. But th- the value of that World Cup for American soccer was elevated because of the failure to qualify for that World Cup in Russia that we are at. Um, you know, the, the low point, the the millions and millions of dollars that were lost by those who are associated with, American soccer, uh, whether it was the U.S. national team or the sponsors there, um, you know, the Fox broadcasters as well. And we knew that, that American men's soccer had, had lost some of its relevancy, had lost some of its um, fight, and, and we knew how much a World Cup means to a host country and, and what it can do behind the scenes to spark things. The investment that is put into soccer and the product on and off the field years and years in advance in preparation for that one summer. So, you know, sitting there in Russia, trying to do essentially, uh, you know, for a modern version of a world cup without the United States for the first time ever. Right. I mean, everybody's been around since 1990, just assumed that the U S their God given right was to be in a world cup. And then all of a sudden here we are Fox with our first men's world cup and punching the face, no U S men's team there. You know, thankfully, soccer had grown to the point and is at a point right now in our country where it could sustain it. But in years past, I honestly think people would say, do we even bother broadcasting it? You know, let's put it on tape delay. You know, what do we do? And Fox said, no, we're big enough. We're strong enough. This event has grown where it can sustain. It's got legs even if the U.S. is not there. But we knew how important it was for us to be there uh, and to get back. And that had been lost. We knew – was an opportunity to be won back by, by hosting it. Um, And, you know, frankly, selfishly, you know, the potential opportunity that, you know, we, we could be working that world cup for Fox and, and hosting it in our country and knowing just how damn big that party was, is going to be in 2026. Um, There were just so many emotions um, tied into that. But the biggest one was we're happy because this is a good thing for soccer in our country.
1: It really is, and uh, hopefully we can get qualifying here in Concacaf underway. We haven't even uh, started the first round yet, and hopefully uh, we can get something going on. And uh, I mean, to me, it sounds like we might have to play in certain months that are not are normally on the FIFA calendar. So we'll have to wait and see for that one. Um, you know, I know your love for you know being uh, a Tampa Bay Rowdy supporter uh, down in USL Championship, but of course you have a fondness for Hartford Athletic over in Connecticut. So dare I ask Mr. Stone, if those two face each other in the regular season again, or even in the playoffs, which side would you take?
0: I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't pick, uh, you know, the, the Rowdies are kind of my, my team. You know, the, they were the first professional team that I ever followed. So they, they are deep in my heart. Tampa is where I was born. Uh, I've, I grew up a, a Rowdy fan, watching Rodney Marsh and Wes McLeod. Hartford Athletic is, you know, it's a brand-new baby, and, um, I, and it's in, you know, the state in the area of the world that I, I, I feel like I grew up in, you know, from fourth grade on. So I want to do everything I can to help that club and help those people. Um, so I can't pick. That's, that's too cold. Um, but I, I would love to see it, and I, I would love a high-scoring draw. How about that? Like, give me, like, a 7-to-7 seven seven thriller.
1: Okay, I'll let you go on that one. You got it. <laughs> I don't want to hurt your feelings. It's okay. But um, <laughs> but I have to ask you, of course, um, I had J.P. Dillacamera on my show last year to talk about his Hall of Fame career. And sadly for you, you came in second on the uh, congratulations as uh, – Mr. Jim Trecker got JP first. What does that mean to you? To, and I, I, you don't have to tell me; I know. But for those that are not aware of this, your fondness for JP De La Camera has been uh, tremendous. And I know you—if there was a, a, a campaign before he got in, you'd be the one leading it without him knowing.
0: <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe I was just the one that decided to speak up, but everybody felt the same way that I did, you know, I mean, he's an absolute uh, American soccer legend and what he's seen and where he's been and the class he's done his job with and the expertise and the moments that his voice is surrounded. um, It's a no brainer that he should be there and and he should have been there years in advance if he asked me. So I, I was just so happy that he was finally getting his due diligence because he's not one that, that seeks notoriety in, in public relations. He's not one that is a, a, hey, look at me type guy. And I've done all these things. Uh, you know, it, it, it. we all know the kind of quiet warrior uh, that he is and how prepared he is. And I know he's honored by it. You know, I know he was softly overwhelmed by it, but I think he also knows deep down that he's, he's deserving of it. And um, absolutely he should have gotten it. So, you know, again, we talked about, my relationship with Tommy, you know, it's similar to JP. You know, JP was always so accommodating, um, so open to our conversations about how our broadcasts were going when I was a sideline reporter or doing kind of sideline host work for a game that he was calling. So uh, he's always been just just there for me if I ever had any questions. Um, He's always offered just really strong critiques, uh, good and bad about projects that we worked on together and, and how we can make it better. And, you know, again, he's one of those quiet warriors out there who has done done so much to increase the status of soccer in our country. And, and you know, the loudmouth, the guys like Alexi and Stu and myself, you're like, we realize it, you know, and we're more than happy to, to trumpets And, and the guy just doesn't age. He just keeps on going. And I know at some point, there was some debate about, you know, is, is J.P. the guy to, you know, to call the Women's World Cup when Fox takes over, you know, is he the A team, is he the B team? And I said, listen, you know, we, we are blessed that we've got two wonderful broadcasters, and this is no disrespect to, to anybody else who is in, was under consideration, but, you know, we all remember J.P.'s call in 1999 when the U.S. women, and, and he is synonymous with the U.S. women's, particularly um, at the World Cup. And to me, it was an absolute no brainer that he's the guy who should be instilled. And nobody asked me for my vote, uh, but I clearly <laughs> made it uh, known to the bosses that, you know, he's the guy who should be doing it. Um, and they made the decision, and, and they all know that obviously that was the right call. Um, legendary Hall of Fame career, and I, I, love, I love calling him the Hall of Famer, J.P. Delacamera. Absolutely love it.
1: Um, The one moment that really went, I wouldn't say just viral, but it blew up the internet. Uh, Everything was melting down on the uh, laptops, the web-enabled devices, and the computers. Um, The whole FIFA scandal after Qatar was awarded the 2022 World Cup, and all of these FIFA people, um, whether it be from CONCACAF, CONMEBOL, UEFA, even though bladder was not grabbed, um, that was probably the biggest moment in world soccer, world football, whatever you want to say, to really, you know, happen in front of us. All I know is was that you, I, I think it was you that tweeted it out, something's brewing in Switzerland. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell's going on in Switzerland? And then I'm just following everyone else on Twitter Andrew Doss of the New York Times giving direction to his reporter who's like right there. Uh, the famous uh, $150 bedsheets covering the faces of all these FIFA delegates going to Zurich, Switzerland for the big meeting, being arrested. What did you think about that time? And at the same time, you know, were you contacting Fox Sports to say, hey, listen, we gotta, I got to get back to the studio. We got to talk about this.
0: Well. It, it was an interesting situation um, because I think all of us kind of knew, Hey man, there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on in international soccer and we've heard the stories and you know, some of them were verified, some weren't, but there, you know, there, there was just too much heat out there to to think that something nefarious hadn't been going on in, in that world. And and for the U S to kind of be the, the bullying force to, to drive it, I always found it ironic, but um I also found it sad that that was the talking point. That is what people were going to reference when a soccer conversation was going on. And I'm not saying everybody, but in the United States where we had put in so much legwork to try and get the attention on these fantastic players on the men's and the women's side and, and the growth of these leagues and the success of the national team and all these young players coming up and, um, you know, how this sport has just blossomed. And then to have that Be the only topic that anybody would really know about in the world of soccer outside of you know your your pure fans. I I found it disappointing and sad, uh, and I think it it set us back. You know it 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 allowed people to go back to the old um, let me make the easy lazy jokes about what soccer is and you know the rolling around in pain and. Uh, the xenophobia would show up again, um, so I, I saw it as a really kind of down, depressing time, and uh, I, I'm happy that we've, I believe that we've cleaned it up and we're able to, to move on. I'm proud that the United States was was a big part of that, um, and you know, look, there's there, there a lot of things went down, and I, I think we all we all realize uh, the, the shady activities that have have taken place through international soccer. For decades and decades, um, and I'm glad now that the conversation has kind of steered itself away from it, and it's back to to getting things right on the field internationally uh, and domestically. But it was it was a crazy crazy time. You know, I, I remember covering the FIFA presidential election with Alexei, uh, and I, I gosh, I wish I could remember how many hours we were on air, and and having the camera on former uh, U.S. soccer president, Sunil Gulati, who you could kind of see behind the scenes, was, was orchestrating some, some, some voting moves because, um, you know, it impacted in the way they were going. And I think the U.S. had just had enough of, of being um, a spectator on the side, Daniel, and saying, you know, it's time to flex some of our muscles and, and fight for what's right for our country uh, and our region in, in soccer because for far too long, uh, we've been overlooked by by the Europeans and uh, you know the Asian and South American branches. It's time for us to say, hey, we we belong at the at the table with the big boys. Not only do we belong at the table, we we should have our our words and our say heard um, more than it had been in the past.
1: What do you say about going back to two thousand and two, that big second round victory over Mexico? The big 2 0 victory the, the original, I shouldn't say the original because that was in the qualifying round, but at Columbus, but Dulce Zero in South Korea. What significant moment was that you think for American soccer that day when yeah. we beat our biggest rivals?
0: Uh, not only that, you know, the, the Portugal game, I think all the results of, of 2002 for me when I, I look back on it, Daniel, that was the tipping point. For American soccer relevancy in in our country, because uh, you had you had a spectacular win to open up a World Cup versus uh, a, a quote unquote known recognizable nation in Portugal with a star like Ronaldo, and to pull off an upset in the way they did it, and at the hour that they did it, I think that's the big thing. That was the eye opener for me. Was that that was the tournament where you're starting to see these videos come in of people in their basements and in their living rooms and still with their pajamas on and their T-shirts and at these unholy hours watching soccer and and collecting in mass in in bars and restaurants to watch these games when I think our programming department, our our TV executives at that time were saying, this is kind of a lost World Cup. This time difference is going to kill us. Uh, It's such a dead zone. No one's going to watch it. Let's just get on and get off. And then you saw this momentum and you saw these people demanding uh, and coming together to watch these games. And for me, that was that, that eye opener to, to our broadcast industry, to marketers, to, to Madison Avenue. Holy cow, guys, Th- this sport is here now. Uh, it's got this relevancy that we were not aware of it. And it's got a passionate fan base that frankly wasn't getting the credit. It was due. And that 2002 summer and that run by the U.S. team Ignited it, and it just lit up people. Um, and I, I really think that we've been surging forward at a rapid rate since that that summer of o two.
1: So let me just add on to that because my original job I used to work at a sports a sports news service in South Hackensack, New Jersey uh, called Phoenix Communications Group. Not sure if you're aware of it or not back in the day. They were the original broadcasters for this week in baseball. Um, When the World Cup was coming in 2002 in different time zones, you remember the TiVos, you know? Well, they weren't compatible to the recording machines in the Vuri, and they said to me, we're going to have to ask you to watch all the games because you're the soccer guy. And I said, you know what? I'm on. So after the Portugal-USA victory, um the company had uh, a deal to send sports highlights to NBC City after the game was over, calling up and saying to me, okay, we're ready for the highlights. Uh, uh, There's no editor around yet. Maybe this morning. (laughs) Can you believe I had a guy from Kansas City and a guy from Dallas, NBC News affiliate, wanting highlights
0: already for USA
1: 3 Portugal 2?
0: Yep. Yep. Now, again, that's why I say that that was the moment where, and I think it timed up to Daniel with the, the, the generational shift of people in charge of making decisions in the sporting landscape um, where I think the the crusty, grumpy old news editors or news directors or sports directors that had no clue, no affiliation to soccer had been nudged out and had outgrown their positions and in was this new, base of people making decisions uh, with their heart and their head and the knowledge of what soccer was and they had grown up playing it. Um, they were now coming of an age where they were having kids and getting them involved in soccer and understanding the, the beauties of it. And again, I think all that stuff just kind of kind of clicked there in, in 2002. And I, I think the women's run in 99 uh, just a few years prior obviously w- was another trigger point that that woke up a lot of people uh, to say that this, this is more than just some, some niche thing that um, they only do in South America. This is something that, that we do in the United States, and we do it really well, and now people actually care.
1: Absolutely. Uh, my last question for you is this. Now we have multiple uh, networks broadcasting this game, not just Fox and ESPN. Of course, ESPN has been there from the start. Uh, now gathering uh, all these leagues to broadcast German Bundesliga. Now they got the uh, Scottish Premier League. So Rangers Celtic was the first match uh, for their eyes. Um, NBC is involved now with the Premier League in England. Um, once again, Fox has done a great job uh, with you know past leagues. I remember you know obviously the the A League in Australia uh, in those early mornings on Saturdays and Fridays and Saturdays here, Um, CBS now, with the UEFA Champions League, when you're seeing multiple networks now showing this game, showing this world game now, what doors you think have finally opened, and do you think they'll continue to be opened for people to broadcast and talk about this game uh, with the respect it deserves, not just the worldwide leagues from Europe and in South America, but of course what MLS has done uh, from 1996 up till now.
0: It's, it's a tricky one, Daniel, because on, on one end, I'm thrilled that there's competition and demand for soccer and people want to be involved in it and they see the value in airing it. But there, there is another part of me that worries that people are still using Using soccer as a play and as an experimental training ground, um, the things that broadca- some broadcasters out there do with soccer, they would never think about doing with National Football League or college football. They still, as much as they say they love the sport and they respect it, there are still a lot of entities out there that say, "All right, you know what? We're going to use this to bury it behind a paywall, and we're going to increase, um, you know, our our digital business." things again that the NFL would not stand for and put up for. And look, I get it. It's it's a business out there. um, But it worries me that people are still treating this as as a bit of a Petri dish and, and don't hesitate to make these changes that, that put off the viewer that has been there and, and has fought for more coverage and is sitting there watching these games and trying to figure out where do I watch it now and where is it and, the lack of continuity, and, again, it just just the fact that it's a bit of a, a kind of a, a future money grab worries me a little bit. And, look, it's an industry. I, I get it. I understand it. You're there to make money. But um, that's, the, that's the one part of the conversation, Daniel, that, that does worry me. I, I I don't want the experimentation. I want people to just say, look, this is a great sport. It's fantastic. Let's see how we can enhance it rather than let's try to change A, B, C, and D of this, and let's make this more challenging, and let's put it over here. Um, But in the end, it's it's good to have competition, right? It's good that so many people want to be involved, and I think it's great also that a lot of people say, "Hey, this is this is something that we can use now uh, to help us going forward." Where in the past, and I've been there, Daniel, it was a niche sport, and the bosses who were in charge of soccer were also in charge about five other sports, and I think some of those bosses looked at soccer as a bit of a nuisance, and that is clearly not the case right now.
1: It really isn't. Rob, I really appreciate your time, and I also appreciate you sticking around. Uh, I know the connections weren't that good. We tried to fix everything as much as we could, and thankfully we got you on, and uh, I'm very happy uh, you stuck around to uh, do this show. And, uh, you know, I am a fan of yours. I enjoy your commentary. I enjoy it. When you do host the studio shows, whether it be the UEFA Champions League, MLS, the World Cup, um, it should be interesting to see what will happen for 2022. If you will be flying across the world to uh, Qatar, but uh, until we get there, we don't have to worry about it right now. But still, though, um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm very grateful that you came on, and it was great seeing you in person at the Russian Tea Room Uh, a couple of years ago for that uh, send-off party. Thank you again for coming on, and uh, have a good evening. And please stay safe and remain vigilant with you and your family during this whole
0: pandemic. Uh, You're a good man, Daniel. Thanks for the fight you've been putting on for American soccer. We appreciate it, buddy. You and I, man, we're warriors out here. We're warriors. That's right.
1: Fighting for every inch of pitch. All right. Rob Stone of Fox Sports, originally... Uh, With ESPN broadcasting career, Uh, this man uh, has done a wonderful job covering the game uh, in the United States. And uh, this guy is absolutely fantastic. It was great to meet him. And hopefully we can do this again uh, sometime somewhere down the road. So uh, that's it for tonight's show. Unfortunately, because of the uh, technical issues we had earlier, uh, whatever was left over, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to talk about it another time, and we will. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to me tonight. I want to thank my guest tonight, Mr. Rob Stone of Fox Sports. Uh, thank you for tonight listening here on the Four Steams Fire American Soccer Show. I hope everyone has a great evening. Enjoy the rest of the week, and then talk to you guys next week on Monday. As always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long, and bye-bye for now.